the intersection of Christian faith and Christian living. This is Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk. It is, of course, the program where we take your calls and we answer your questions about the things you care the most about questions about God and questions about the historical Jesus, questions about the Bible, questions about world views and world religions. From time to time, I have um, the privilege, the opportunity to have authors, artists, guests who are making a difference in the kingdom and the body of Christ. Joining me in studio is Joel Rosenberg. Joel C. Rosenberg, of course, is the author of Gosh, Joel, how many books now? It's 10 plus books. 15 total. 15 Ten total. Novels. But who's counting? Yeah, I, I guess I'm counting. Just my mom. Yeah, your your mother is definitely counting. And um, Joel is going to be here at uh, Calvary South Denver um, for an event for his mom and dad, for Len and Mary Jo Rosenberg, who um, Len, his father, is the founder and director, if you will, of Ministry Architecture, which provides... Uh, it's a nonprofit which provides architectural services to ministries in developing countries. And um, it's been a great joy, Joel, and privilege that we've got to share in a mutual interest, and that's loving, supporting, and encouraging your mom and dad. Well, I appreciate it so much. Uh, it, you know, I'm amazed at them uh, at 77 years old that they rather than you know retire to the golf course although they never really played golf maybe miniature golf um decided instead that they they believe that god was telling them to go into ministry and to travel into like the remotest jungles of indonesia or the jungles of uh of africa Mm -hmm. and serve local ministries who need churches or medical missionary hospitals or you know orphanages or what have you and they just love it. They love to serve uh, the believers there as the believers build the facilities necessary to reach the local people with the gospel and to disciple them. I, I'm just grateful for them, and I'm grateful for you and the team here at Calvary South Denver and in the area. It's not just mm-hmm. you guys who have come alongside them to help them, and I'm we're thrilled to be able to be here for this fundraiser on Thursday night. Well, it's great, and obviously what we're here to do also is uh, – to talk about so many um, different things that are going on, and I guess what I'm what I want to start with is a lot has changed in your life. Uh, the last time you and I had had talked um, very briefly, the the arrangements had already made for you and your family to make Aliyah. You were for years now. We've been talking and praying about that event. You sensed that God was calling you. Uh, to, to make this special journey. And I know that you had something in your mind. In your mind, you thought, what is it going to mean for me, having been born, raised, and educated here, to go to Israel? What is the Lord doing? Why am I doing this? Tell me a little bit about what's been going on in your mind and your heart uh, since you've made this epic journey. Well, it's been fascinating, and you're right. You were one of the last folks we saw here in the States because just days after we were with you and the, and the fundraiser for my parents last, last year, year, we got on a plane headed to Israel. The process of Aliyah, as, as many of your listeners know, is the process of uh, becoming citizens of the state of Israel. 
and with all the rights and responsibilities that pertain thereto. Um, and it means really becoming immersed in the culture, learning the language, uh, becoming mm-hmm. part of the society, the right to vote, but also the responsibility to be have your sons called up and serve eventually in the military in due time and all, all these things. And this was, you know, that that's, you know, look, look, as you know, I've been teaching about Bible prophecy and writing about bad things that are happening and will happen in the mm-hmm. future in the Middle East for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I never really anticipated However, mm-hmm. that um, God was going to tell us to get Go. on a plane, you know, sell our house, leave all of our friends and family behind uh, in an Abrahamic covenant type way. Leave your father, leave your family, leave your nation, your country, and go mm-hmm. to the place that I will show you. And just trust me for that. But we were thrilled to do it. Now, it happened to be <laughs> in the in midst the of 4,538 rockets and missiles <laughs> being fired at Israel that month. Mm-hmm. That was an additional challenge. And um, it's been a challenging year, a good year, uh, an exciting year. Um, but, yeah, it, this is not like joining a pool membership or, you know, a gym, you know, and you're sort of there and then you leave. And No, this is a total game changer yeah uh, i see it as an earthquake kind of a move and um i I see it as an earthquake kind of a move in this sense oddly enough i see it in a new testament sense where you're a citizen of one kingdom and then you become a citizen of another kingdom and obviously when you're a christian you go from dark to light you go from death to life and you had a sense because you'd been to israel so many times uh, a sense of what it means to be a jew and and living in in a, in a majority culture which you've never done in other words right. as a jewish person you've never lived in a in a culture where the jewish person was the majority person and then all of a sudden you begin to to see and 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 sense um something else you're living in israel and all of those things that you anticipated, uh, do they love me? Do they care about me? Do they accept me? You are a citizen of Israel. And that how has that changed your outlook on all of the things that you've written about the last jihad, the last days, the Ezekiel option, the Copper Scroll? And all of a sudden now you are a citizen of that world. Well, uh, <laughs> Um, how much time did you say we had? <laughs> no, We've got about three. Well, right, yeah, right. No, I just mean it's such a huge question to ask and uh, and answer. But that you're you're good at that. Um, all right, let me break it down in a few pieces. First, you're right. We actually now have three citizenships. Uh, on this earth, we have two. We're 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 dual citizens, meaning we're fully citizens of the United States with all of those rights and responsibilities. And now we're citizens of Israel for real. Uh, for real. Uh, and we have two passports and two, you know, sets of everything. And, uh, but we are the citizens of the kingdom of God because we've been born again. We've, we've, we've said yes to the Jewish Messiah. And that is a different citizenship. And, and the one is above all those other two. So for what's interesting about that is, uh, several things. What well, one is, it's not like we have half a love for the United States now and half a love, you know, half our heart goes to Israel. No, we feel 100%, 150% in both camps, and yet we have a higher calling, and we know the kingdom is coming. One of the things that's fascinating about living in this time is that even though you see the wheels coming off the United States, mm-hmm. 57 million abortions, Planned Parenthood is 
is chopping up little babies in the womb and selling their lungs, their brains, their hearts. It's just it's just like Nazi Dr. Mengele esque. Dis- not even esque. It's it's exactly what he was doing. Except he didn't sell them. He just you know recycle so, recycle them. them, use them, tested them, medical experiments. This is what's happening in America. Fifty-seven million abortions. Judgment is coming. There's mm-hmm. no way out of that. God might delay it mm-hmm. if he gives us a revival, an awakening, a, a, a King Josiah, as it were, so who, who's willing to lead um, with, with biblical reforms and trying to turn the country in the right direction. That could happen. God could forestall, but judgment is coming. Uh, at the same time, you've got uh, this five justices of the United States Supreme Court saying – I guess we've read the Bible. We we know the arguments. We know history. But we're going to rewrite 5,000 years of recorded history, religious history, and the Bible, the very Bible we took our oath on. Mm-hmm. We're going to say no. We know better than God how a marriage should be created. That type of defiance is catastrophic for a nation, mm-hmm. and it's accelerating our, our heading to, 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 to judgment. And you add to that – the steady abandonment of the state of Israel in defiance of Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, God says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. The United States has just agreed to the, a deal that is the worst case scenario, almost, almost. It's, it's terrible. It could be even worse than this, but it's pretty bad, this, uh, this deal with Iran on the nuclear program. So step by step in all these different areas, as an American citizen, I'm watching the wheels come off my own country. Violence. You know, you've experienced it here in Columbine, in Aurora, this type of mass uh, shootings and stuff. But this is happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. Churches in Charleston, you know, people in Louisiana. It's just happening like, like it's not even – it's news, but it just keeps happening. All these other elements which we can bring up, but that's America, and mm-hmm. and yet there's also good things happening. People are coming to Christ, growing, but then you look at the world unraveling in terms of ISIS, just slaughtering. It's a genocide going on right over the border from Israel in Syria. Hundreds of thousands of people are dead. Christians are being slaughtered in Iraq, and yet God has a plan, and he's orchestrating this, and the kingdom is coming as we get – more persecution, more war, more rumors of war. We're getting closer to Christ coming back and making it right. And though the interplay of a U.S., Israeli, and kingdom of God citizenship is interesting. I think <laughs> that's that, that is that interesting. And, and again, that's the parallel between Joel Rosenberg's life and this interesting unfolding of events. Both Joel and I have always believed that God had unfinished business with the Jew. What we're now beginning to ask an answer is, does God have unfinished business with the United States of America? This is Gina Juris. You're listening to Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. My guest, Joel Rosenberg, he, of course, is an author of several New York Times bestsellers. He's a nationally acclaimed speaker. He's going to be this Thursday at Calvary South Denver. Uh, we, we're we're uh, having an event to support the ministry of uh, – to support ministry architecture, and a contribution of $25 per person is requested to help support ministry architecture. The contributions are tax-deductible. Registration is required. You're going to need to register at www.ministryarchitecture.com, www.ministryarchitecture.com. Joel, we were talking about 
you and your family making Aliyah, you now you've made that commitment. You are an Israeli citizen. You are a citizen of the United States. Got to States. vote this year. Yeah, I got to vote <laughs> this year. And that was crazy. Well, I got to vote twice. It's like living in Chicago because I, <laughs> I get to vote here. I get to vote. Uh, in the United States and in Israel, and uh, you know, it's kind of nice. But, but both are legal. One of the amazing things that I got to watch was the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He give a, gave a little Bible study to a joint session of Congress. He opens up the Book of Esther, and he begins to talk about the Jewish family, and he talks about Jewish history. He talks about a persistent commitment on the part of certain people to wipe out the Jewish people. And he basically didn't ask the United States of America to win a war. He just simply, like like Mordecai of, of old, he basically said, we're not asking you to fight our battle for us. We're just asking to please let us do what we need to do to protect us. One of the things that I found startling about this is the perception of the American people, um, which – I'm trying – obviously, you've always been a lover of Israel and a, a believer in the Bible. But what has making the commitment to becoming a citizen, how has that informed you as you now talk to world leaders and you go, I am an advocate as well. I'm an advocate of a great big story, and it's the big, the big story of what you and I have always believed, that God has unfinished business with the Jewish people. But I guess where I'm going with this question is, it, it, it's, it's what we were talking off air, and I guess I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. It's, it's what people aren't thinking about. What, what is happening in Israel right now, in, in your opinion, that has never or at least fundamentally changed at this very moment? Mm-hmm. Well, there's been a number of observations that, that, that have um, that either I had from a distance, you know, as an American citizen who came in and out of Israel. Just watching from right, afar. That now I'm, I'm – some of those are being affirmed and, and deepened now that we're there. And some are things I just maybe hadn't seen or seen like I am seeing now by being there. Let me give you a couple of examples. First is the proximity to your enemy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it. I write, or I've written about it. I know how small that country is. But when I was in uh, Washington, I came back to the United States uh, in January to launch my most recent novel, The Third Target, mm-hmm. right? Which is about a New York Times reporter that hears a rumor that ISIS. The Islamic State has captured chemical weapons in Syria and is planning a genocidal attack against somebody. Mm-hmm. He, the reporter doesn't know who. Is it? You know, we know ISIS is trying to bring down the government of Iraq and Syria. So, what's the next target? What's the third target? That's what the novel's about. Mm-hmm. So, I'm in America releasing this novel as ISIS is on mm-hmm. the move. Right? I get invited to the Prime Minister's speech in Congress. And was sitting there in the gallery as as Netanyahu gave it was, that. It was electrifying. For me. It was. It was fascinating to be there. It was. It was electrifying. But what was surreal was now my family was not up the road in the Washington D.C. area as they'd been for a quarter of a century. Now they're in Israel, mm-hmm. and so I'm talking about the threats in Syria, which is right across the border. Mm-hmm. And but I'm talking about it far away from my family. My family is there, and then I get a text from my wife with a picture 
the, the, there's snow, and the boys have decided they, they want her to take them up to Mount Hermon, up on the border of Syria. Which is about to 20 go miles snowboarding. Yes. Wow. So I get a, I, so the surreal moment, Gino, where I'm traveling the country, the United States, I'm at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, I'm at the Congress, I'm speaking on these issues, and I get a text, my sons are snowboarding on a mountain where if you if you go down the wrong side of the mountain, mm-hmm. you are in ISIS country. They're slaughtering Muslims, Christians, and if they got their hands on a Jew, God yeah. forbid. Yes. So this is the proximity. Like, that's a couple hours from our apartment now, right? That's... Uh, so we're about two and a half. We're about two and a half hours from ISIS in Syria. We're about an hour south of Hezbollah, uh, terrorist-controlled southern Lebanon. We're about an hour and a half north of Hamas-controlled Gaza. Like that's our world now, and uh, that's surreal. So that's one of those things that it just, <laughs> even though you know it, now you don't you know feel it. it until you're there. Another one. I'm kind of waiting for my boys to say, Dad. Have you even read your own books? Like, mm-hmm. what if you drag us across the planet and put us in a country? You know what's coming. You know what the prophecies say about the horror that's coming. Now, the Bible also says that God's going to share the, you know, make sure the gospel is preached to to everyone in Lebanon and everyone in Syria and everyone in Iran and uh, Jordan and Egypt, but also to Israel. And all of Israel will be saved. Mm-hmm. That's a promise. Um, and and yet we know terrible prophetic wars are coming, and we know that even wars that aren't specified are coming, and they're in motion. So, but here's another one. So on the big picture, one of the things that's fascinating is spending much more time with Jewish Israeli believers mm-hmm. and and particularly pastors and ministry leaders than we normally get. Now, with the Joshua Fund and my role there. I've spent a lot of time with Israeli pastors and ministry leaders over the years, mm-hmm. but now I'm living. They're around them. I'm, I'm going to a congregation. I have Israeli pastors over me, and mm-hmm. it's been encouraging. It's been exciting, though the congregation we go to is all in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have notes in English, so our family and a f- couple of others, <laughs> we, we do Bible studies, you know, but uh, it's a little challenging. But then the fellowship meal afterward is in English, and that's wonderful, uh, or it's mixed languages. Mm-hmm. But my point is um, – as we're spending more time with them, they're talking about how excited they are. Like the first time in 67 years of Israel's history, they are seeing an openness to the gospel among Jewish people, among Arabs as well, but particularly among Jews that they have never seen. Their parents never saw. Their grandparents never saw. There are now about 15,000 Jewish believers in Israel, 15 to 20,000. But on Thursday night, I'm going to share some statistics of the, the empirical evidence of game-changing openness among gospel. Hebrew-speaking Israelis to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm sort of tempted to share with your audience now because I want them to hear it, but I'm not going to do that. I want to share it you have to come. On, you have to come and hear on, it on, on Thursday. Thursday night. And it'll be part. So I'm going to share a lot of bad news. Iran, ISIS, where are we headed? What's next? But there is amazing good news. And I'm going to sort of try to tie that together. Because God says, as we get closer to the return of Christ and him setting up his kingdom in Jerusalem, the, the, the situation in the region is going to get worse, not better. And he's going to come in and make it right. And he's the only one who can. And we need to tar- turn our hearts to him. My guest is Joel Rosenberg. He, of course, is going to be at Calvary South Denver on Thursday evening. It, the doors are going to open at 6.15. The event starts 
Well, I'm going to guess around seven. seven. And Joel, you're going to have resources there, right? I mean, books and resources. As far as I know, I'm not in charge of doing that. But yes, and people can sign up online, and they should. But you can come in. Start your day with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Weekday mornings at 6.30. Now, back to Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci along with Joel Rosenberg. If you haven't been following Joel on his blog, you can go to flashtrafficblog.wordpress.com or just type in Joel Rosenberg or Joel C. Rosenberg. You'll see a homepage and a blog page. And um, at his blog, he's posted the darkest headlines I've read in years with ISIS on the rampage. Is this the end of Christianity in the Middle East? So asks a must-read feature story in the New York Times. There's so much that I want to be able to talk about. But before we go back to our conversation, Joel, we want to let people know that they can register at www.ministryarchitecture.com, but they can also show up at the door, right? That's right. Uh, if you if you go to my parents' website, ministryarchitecture.com, that's the best. That's your best case scenario because you get you know you, you can register, you can print out your ticket, you're good to go. Right. But if for whatever reason you don't think of that, or you're not sure if you can come Thursday night, come anyway. Just mm-hmm. come a little bit early. Doors open at six fifteen here at Calvary South mm-hmm. Denver, and then you know yes, you can pay at the door and come in. It's twenty five dollars. All that money is tax deductible and goes uh, goes to the ministry. So a lot of people, uh, usually more than half at these events over the years, have, have been walk-ins. And so we just want to encourage that. Mm-hmm. Now, the other part I want to mention is, yes, I get it. There is a presidential debate. There's actually two right. on Fox that night. There's uh, there's the round one, <laughs> the under ticket, I guess, is a, and that's going to be the, the those lower in the polls. The under ticket, that means anyone past 10. Okay, yeah. And then there's going to be the main event, I guess, at, at nine. I encourage you to skip those. It's <laughs> August. The voting doesn't start till February. There's going to be a lot more debates, but I'm going to watch them. I'm just mm-hmm. going to not watch them as they happen. Fox is going to replay them all night. I'm going to go home after this event. I'm going to take a shower. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit down with a bowl of popcorn and I'm going to watch. But I would encourage you're going to get an insight into what God is doing and what the enemy is doing in the Middle East that will give you context for the way you should be looking at the presidential candidates. But I think I would encourage you to come to this first Mm -hmm. and uh, and instead. You know, I read something startling, Joel, um, particularly after reading the darkest headlines I've read in years about the Satanic Temple in Detroit and this whole issue with Planned Parenthood and the chopping up of babies and H. Tristram Englehart used a term that resonated with me. He called it moral strangeness. And here's how he defined moral strangeness. He said, moral strangers are persons who do not share sufficient moral premises or rules of evidence and inference to resolve moral controversies by sound, rational argument or who do not have a common commitment to individuals or institutions in authority to resolve the moral controversies. It se- And where I'm going with this is it seems odd to me that we even have to have a debate about butchering children and selling their their body parts on the open market. It seems incredible to me that even if you don't share Joel Rosenberg or Gino Geraci's worldview that God has unfinished business, let's just say you're not a Christian by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you may not even be politically conservative by any stretch of the imagination. But if you couldn't make a biblical argument, we could make a social an ethical and moral argument that no one better reflects our deeply held values than the people of Israel in the Middle East. 
how is it that so that there's this moral strangeness that we can't even say that we can't draw a line in the sand like in the book of judges where where you go you know that's wrong it's right, it's right. evil and it's wrong and and how well, you, can you've act, asked several different pieces i mean that that's a, you act you ask gino doctoral dissertation level questions because they're they're packed with so much um nuance and detail couple couple thoughts first yes i wrote a blog uh column uh, about a week and a half ago which was titled the darkest headlines i've ever read unquote and and i just picked two but there's so many more i mean but but the two i picked was this planned parenthood a uh, series of uh, undercover videos that have revealed Planned Parenthood doctors and, and, and executives here in Colorado, here in Colorado, among other places, uh, and in California, uh, having lunch and talking over salad and wine about how to s- sell baby lungs, livers. baby brains, livers. One of them, I watched these videos. One of them, uh, the doctor said, well, if you tell us what you need, we can kill the baby in a less crunchy way. This is weird. This is beyond the pale. And this is America. Judgment is coming. And we can talk about Israel, but first America, judgment is coming if we do not change. And even if we do. Right. It, it, It seems to me, how do we escape? You know, the writer of Hebrews talks about how can we escape so great salvation or ignore a great salvation we must of necessity embrace judgment my guest joel rosenberg we're going to talk about a whole lot more when we come back (laughs) i'll be back so Up with Focus on the Family, weekday mornings at 7. Now, back to Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. Hey, welcome back. My guest, of course, is Joel C. Rosenberg. He's going to be at Calvary South Denver on Thursday, August 6th at 7 o'clock. Doors open at 6.15. Just a quick look at the at Denver's weather. It's uh, overcast outside right now with scattered showers, mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 61, sunny tomorrow, high nearing 90 degrees. It's going to be 90 degrees throughout the week. It's 77 degrees right now at KRKS. And the, the weather, of course, is brought to you by Lord and Richards. They're your biblical investment advisors. You can find out more about Lord and Richards at lordandrichards.com as they help you negotiate the difficult uh climate and the winds of change that are coming about. And speaking of change, Joel, we were talking a little bit off the air about the challenge, the challenge of living in a world. You were talking about um, the dark headlines of of, of uh, a satanic statue in Detroit chopping up children um, by Planned Parenthood, drawing a line in the sand. Um, wondering where judgment will begin and end, wondering what might bring about a change. You know, a 17th century uh, French existentialist said that that if he were to take a one-word um, definition, he he, w- he said that he would he would say that the 18th century was marked by the physical uh, sciences, that the 19th century was was marked by 
um, change, but that the 20th century was marked by fear. But I was wondering what he might use for the 21st century. What single word might describe the 21st century? And I kept thinking it's not too late to come up with that word because we've got perhaps we have some time left. But I'm wondering if that word might be faith or if that word might be revival. And you talk a little bit about that in several of your books as you talk about not just escaping judgment, but the reality is that there's hope. There is hope, and uh, you know that, that moral strangeness that you were quoting before. Isn't that interesting? It, it is because we were talking about how th- there's such a disconnect right now between uh, the faith of our fathers, uh, the faith that uh, of the of the founding fathers of the United States that 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 set this country into motion, and now you know people the truths that were self evident mm-hmm. when the Declaration of uh, independence was written that that God has given us that our Creator has endowed us with certain inalienable rights and they can't be taken away by government and among these are the right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness and now these are not self evident to people they're, they're morally strange they seem strange like you shouldn't my liberty my freedom to choose to kill my baby shouldn't that go ahead of the baby's right to life not to the founders I mean you're setting aside the Bible for a moment just to the founding fathers. Yes, they were informed by faith, but not all of them. Some were deists and some mm-hmm. were, you know, atheists or, or at least agnostics or what have you. But they just could, t- they just knew it was self-evident to them that everyone's right to life was a, went before, trumped as it were, someone else's right to liberty. Mm-hmm. And, and somebody's right to be happy didn't trump someone else's right to be free or alive. Mm-hmm. But that's strange now to, to too many people. And, um, I, I mentioned to you offline that uh, next week I'll be uh, teaching at a Bible camp up in uh, uh, upstate New York, and actually in the Adirondacks. Uh, my, w- that's my home area up there, mm-hmm. and I love it. But I'm going to be teaching a survey of the book of Jeremiah, uh, which I know you once taught through all 52 all chapters. 52. And by the way, it's, I won't the be doing long- that. <laughs> it's the longest book in the Bible. It's longer it than Isaiah, yeah. even though Isaiah has 66 chapters, right. but go ahead. It is, it is. Uh, and... Uh, that, that, that I'm going to be, that the, the title of that series next week is Living Like Jeremiah in a Time of Coming Judgment. I believe that the train has left the station. That when mm-hmm. you kill 57 million babies and the country increasingly turns against uh, the, the basic precepts, the self-evidence, self-evident precepts of God, that judgment comes. Yeah, how come but, come but God up? also, there, but there is hope. And the question is, how do we live like Jeremiah did? Jeremiah lives in a time where the country was already um, determined to go through judgment because of a of a king, King Manasseh, uh, two kings before Jeremiah showed up. So it was set. <clears throat> it was coming. But Jeremiah had to warn people that this was coming and to urge people to repent. But he also lives in a time where God did raise up a leader in King Josiah, the grandson of Manasseh, who repented, mm-hmm. who found the word of God literally, literally in the temple, discovered it, was transformed by it, and then read it to everybody in the country, read it to all the leaders and said, we've got to make reforms based on what the Bible tells us. And and God said to that king, King Josiah, that was the king while Jeremiah was preaching and, and prophesying, this judgment is coming, it's certain, you can't get out of it, but... 
you won't see it in your lifetime because you're so tender-hearted towards me. You're so humble. You love my word, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to bring the judgment. I'm going to let you do these reforms and call the nation back to me mm-hmm. with the pro- with a prophet like Jeremiah and a king like Josiah. It was a pretty exciting time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think four and a half, almost five, I think five decades went by mm-hmm. before judgment actually came. Now, I believe judgment is coming to the United States. As to, as to the rest of the nations, but I also, but I can't say whether a revival or a great awakening will come. We've had two, as you and I have talked about, sure. and I wrote about in my book, implosion. Sure. I believe implosion is coming. The country's going to collapse. You can't have eighteen trillion dollars of debt and fifty-five trillion dollars worth of more debt coming that you don't have any plan for without eventually hitting the iceberg. To mix mm-hmm. my analogies, you can't kill fifty-seven million babies without eventually God saying, "I'm sorry." I'm going to require that blood. But God has shown us in history, in Jeremiah as an example, that he will bring revival and he will bring repent, uh, he will bring uh, forgiveness to any person or nation that repents. Mm-hmm. That nation might eventually, will, event, will eventually face judgment, but it doesn't have to in that generation. And I, my, my message next week with you, everywhere I go, is, we need to be calling on the Lord to have mercy on us, first the church, then the nation. And then on Israel, which also faces tremendous prophecies coming. Joel Rosenberg coming Thursday, August 6th at 7 o'clock. The doors will open at 6.15 at Calvary South Denver. Again, in support of ministryarchitecture.com. Do want to encourage you to go to ministryarchitecture.com to register a contribution of $25 per person is requested to help support Ministry Architecture. All of those contributions are tax deductible. And again, registration is required. You can either register at www.ministryarchitecture.com or at the door. This is Gino Geraci along with Joel Rosenberg. I'll be right back. The show where Christian faith meets Christian living. Crosswalk with Pastor Gino Geraci. And gentlemen, this is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. My guest, Joel C. Rosenberg. We've only got one uh, little segment left, Joel. And I guess what I'm asking again is, uh, you, 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 you're going to be talking about. Um, Israel, Iran, ISIS, what's next? Um, in, in, in the three minutes that we have left, give us a sneak peek like at the movies of what people might expect on Thursday. Absolutely. Well, because of the moment that we're in that we've just seen um, the president and the United States uh, – United Nations Security Council uh, sign off on this uh, Iran nuclear deal – so many people are asking me, well, what does you know, that mean? What is, what's in it? What, what does it mean? What's the future? So I, I have taken the time and read the 159-page document. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have talked to uh, leading experts. I've analyzed this. So what's going to happen is I'm going to take the first 20, 25 minutes, and I'm going to walk people through, probably with some PowerPoint, uh, key provisions in the deal. Wh- why? This is not going to be a policy discussion per se. But this deal is insane. Mm-hmm. I say that charitably. This deal is dangerous. It's dangerous for America. It's dangerous for the world. It's dangerous for Israel. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous for our Sunni Arab allies. This deal is horrible. I, it's I, it beyond 
belief that this mm-hmm. could have been s- signed off by a, an American president and an American and, Secretary, Secretary of State, State and uh, and now endorsed by uh, Secretary Clinton, who's running for president. So it, it, it's going to be fascinating. I, I, so I'm going to walk through what were we promised from our government leaders, and I'm going to have direct quotes. Uh, and I'll, it'll all be backed up. I'll post those details, all the uh, all the documentation mm-hmm. on the website. But we're going to walk through some. What were we promised? What did we get? And and what are the implications of that? And then we're going to talk a little bit about ISIS. Mm-hmm. How much have they advanced since last year when I was here, uh, before my book, The Third Target, mm-hmm. had come out, when ISIS was just starting to take over Mosul? That was last year when you and I were talking. It is it is on it is consuming the Middle East now, and mm-hmm. nobody's really stopping it. We're going to talk about those things. We're going to put them in the context of Bible prophecy, in context of the spread of the gospel and the Great Commission. We're going to take questions, mm-hmm. and I think that's the most important part, for people to come and say, okay, Joel, I've heard you say this. I heard you on the radio. I've heard your presentation, but what about this? Or mm-hmm. what's God doing? Is there, is there any hope? Uh, and yes, uh, as we mentioned earlier, more people are open to the gospel in Israel, in the Middle East, than ever before. And I'm going to share specific statistics that are mind-blowing to me and I think will be to your uh, viewers and listeners as well. Joel C. Rosenberg, Thursday, doors open at 6.15, starts at 7 o'clock. Again, it's not too late. You can visit ministryarchitecture.com. Space is limited. Reserve your seats. And again, uh, a contribution of $25 is requested to help support Ministry Architecture. You're going to find out all about that wonderful organization as well. All the contributions are tax-deductible. It's going to be money well spent for the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. This is Gino Geraci. Thank you, Joel. Thank you.